Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is January 18th, 2022, and our first story, truckers stage a massive protest against vaccine mandates blocking the U.S. border and jamming everyone up. Food shortages are getting worse in many areas, and you better thank a truck driver when you get to eat, because when they protest, you notice. In our next story, many companies are defying SCOTUS, saying they're going to have their own vaccine mandates. Rumors of Carhartt and Citigroup pushing vaccine mandates trigger outrage and boycotts. And in our last story, Hawaii will mandate a vaccine booster to enter the state. It's stripping this country apart, and it's only going to get worse. Now, if you like this show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. It really helps because a lot of people like to leave bad stars, one stars and insult the show when they hate us. But if people who like the show don't, well, then we don't get that support. But also just tell your friends about the show. That really helps. Now, let's get into that first story. Truck drivers are protesting over vaccine mandates, causing a delay for those who are trying to cross the U.S.-Canadian border near Manitoba. You know, truckers, I think, often get overlooked when we discuss the most important jobs in this country. We often hear about first responders, police, firefighters, military men and women. And while those jobs are extremely important in maintaining the system, people don't understand that if the police disappeared overnight, yeah, you'd probably you'd have some problems. But I think most people might get by. Things may eventually start to crumble. And, you know, we'll see exactly how that plays out. But a lot of people genuinely believe that without police, things would get along just fine. I mean, out in rural areas, there's no cops and people seem to get along. OK, well, what about firefighters? If there's no firefighters. You'd still probably get by fine. There'd be a lot of buildings burning down. What about the military? All right. Well, that, that, that's interesting because the military doesn't just go off to foreign war. They, they build things. There's infrastructure projects. And just the fact that we have a strong military is a deterrent for anyone who might want to attack us. So without them, okay, things would get bad. All in all, very important jobs. Bad things would probably happen if we didn't have them. If truckers, for one day, just don't show up for work, basically the entire country shuts down. All of a sudden, there's this massive derailment of the, of the economy. Gasoline's not coming in. Supplies at stores are disrupted. And that could be from just one day. So when they talk about vaccine mandates and we see a crippling effect across the board in the economy, what they need to be warning you about is that if they impose these things on truck drivers, they could absolutely just shut down everything all at once. And that doesn't really matter what people think politically. 
I think it's important to point out truck drivers may be the most powerful group of people in this country, and they could probably dictate policy more than any other industry. And I mean it. If you zoom out from a map and take a look at all the roads and the highways, it looks like red blood cells moving around through the system. People are trying to work, but truck drivers are the ones that are carrying resources to and from cities. Now, if you live out here in the middle of nowhere where I do, and we, if, we, if we need to get food, we can actually drive ourselves a few miles to a local farm. And at almost every farm has a little farm stand where they sell meats and cheeses and vegetables, and we can get foods and goods. We'll be all right. But if you live in a city, have you ever considered thanking a truck driver for the reason you have food? Most people haven't. So what ends up happening is you get many of these Democrat politicians who want hardcore mandates. And now we're seeing food shortages in the D.C. area and the New York area and a bunch of other states, mainly, it seems, in areas where there are harsh lockdowns and vaccine mandates. And something I've mentioned in many segments, not every truck driver is going to it will be concerned about vaccine mandates. I'm sure a lot of them are vaccinated. I'm sure a lot of them don't care about that political fight, but there will be many. And you don't need to get rid of every single truck driver to cause problems. If enough of these truck drivers say, I will not drive into Cook County, Chicago, basically, because there's vaccine mandates, I won't be able to use the bathroom or get food, then I'm not doing it. I won't deliver there. And the people who live there don't seem to understand why it is the cost of goods is skyrocketing. And you know what? Perhaps it's their own fault. People need to be aware of, of, of how their life functions where their food comes from, and they need to have a plan for how they'll move forward if that stops. But for too long, people in cities have blindly relied on this system, assuming it will always be there for them. To me, that's absolutely crazy. And thus, when a Clinton advisor says it's not the Democrats that are at fault, it's that they have bad voters, blames the people. And James Carville, another strategist, says the Democrats are whiny. You know? I think it's certainly a bad strategy to insult your own voter base. They're not wrong. The Democratic voters, in my opinion, are bad. They vote for bad policies. They destroy their areas. Or more importantly, they move from areas they destroyed with bad policy by voting for it into red areas and then vote for the same bad policies because they genuinely don't know where food comes from. I'll give you an example. When Andrew Yang was running for president, and I supported him because I thought he had a really a great comprehensive list of, of uh, policy plans, people were saying that milk comes from the store. And when I tried explaining that milk comes from the farm, sent to a processing plant, sent, sent to a packing plant, sent then to the store, they said, what do you mean? No, it just comes from the store. I kid you not. People were saying to me, if you want milk, just go to the store. And I'd say, what happens when they can't get it in the trucks? In the bottles to the store, they, people were responding to me, what do you mean? It's just there at the store. And I'm just like, oh, man, because what was happening was people, the dairy farmers couldn't get bottles, so they couldn't do anything with the dairy. The, the processing plants that take the milk and then turn it into cheese or cream or sour cream couldn't take it because there were no trucks and because factories were shut down. So the dairy farmers just opened up the vats and just dumped all the milk out. No joke. Democratic voters didn't understand this, and thus they elect people who pass policies which destroy the supply chain, and it reminds me very much of idiocracy, but in the real world. You see, in the movie Idiocracy by Mike Judge, it's prophetic, by the way, they can't grow any food. Why? 
because they're spraying the fields with what is effectively Gatorade. And the main character is like, are you, what is this? Why aren't you, why aren't you watering the plants? And they're like, what do you mean? It's got electrolytes. It's what plants crave. And they didn't know that they were effectively salting the earth, preventing anything from growing. And so the main character just tells everyone the plants have stated they want water. And they go from the toilet? That's where we're at. Democratic voters saying, what do you mean? The milk's just there. Not realizing there's a massive chain. They vote for idiot politicians who don't know how any, how any of this works, who thinks that semi-automatic means you pull the trigger and it fires every round in the gun. When in fact, it means one trigger pull, one bullet comes out. But they don't know these things. So they keep voting for it and things keep getting worse. Let me show you the repercussions of what happens when you vote for these policies. You'll end up like Canada. And when Canada starts starving because no trucker wants to deliver there or literally can't, they'll come crying for help. Now, let's be real. Canada is particularly wealthy. I don't think it'll get that bad. At least I hope it won't. But at least here, we can see it starting to. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member to help support our work, everything we do here at TimCast, including these videos and all of our journalists. We are not funded by ads. No, we're in fact supported by individual memberships as a private organization. And that means we are free to do what we want. We are not beholden to any company who, who doesn't want us to report on something. No, we just have to make sure we're doing right by you as members, reporting the truth and doing our best jobs. As a member, you will also get access to exclusive segments on the Tim Castile podcast. Last night, James O'Keefe, Andy No, Libby Emmons discussing their origin stories, along with Luke Rudkowski of We Are Change, why they got into journalism, the challenges they face. You're going to want to see this episode again, TimCast.com. But don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share this video right now with your friends to help support our work directly. Let's read this story from globalnews.ca. Crossing delayed Monday at Manitoba U.S. border as truckers protest vaccine mandate. People hoping to cross the border at Emerson are having to deal with the delay Monday morning. Truckers tell 680 CJOB that a slow roll protest is delaying trucking and other traffic as some truck drivers protest the vaccine mandate for all truckers that came into effect on Saturday. Driver Jamie Thropp says it took him 30 minutes to reach the border crossing from the start of the protest. That's a long time, huh? Truck drivers are circling MB75 between Emerson Duty Free and the commercial inspection station blocking all lanes heading south to the United States and northbound traffic coming from the USA, Throp said. Bravo, gentlemen. You know, these truckers, you got to hand it to them. Doing what they do, nonviolent civil disobedience. Some people have said, hey, man, look, you're blocking regular people who have jobs and need to get to work. Nah, I'm, I'm totally in favor of all of this. I have defended the left when they've blocked roads. I know it's inconvenient, but those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. If truckers or protesters are, are able to cause a shock to the system without causing long lasting damage, it sends a message. I may not like the fact, I got to be honest, that regular people are getting jammed up in this. I've personally experienced this. When I was a kid, I remember my family was driving down the highway. I think we were coming from Minnesota or something back to Illinois. And two trucks blocked the two-lane highway and slowed down to a crawl, creating a massive traffic jam. 
Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. It sucked. It sucked to be in it, to be honest. Now, fortunately for us, you know, my family, they were big fans of Jeeps, uh, Wranglers, 4x4, and just easily went around it. The truckers weren't too happy with it. So I can certainly empathize with people and say, I get it, I get it. But I think of the bigger picture and I say, the fact that truckers can do this and cause a shock to the system, which may actually defend our rights and send an important message, I respect. I absolutely do. In a video sent to Global News by Don Davey, trucks can be seen slowly driving on Highway 75 and horns are blasting. Global News reached out to the Canadian Border Service Agency for comment. RCMP Manitoba says a demonstration involving a large number of vehicles is affecting traffic on MB Highway 75 near the Emerson Port of Entry. Both northbound and southbound lanes are affected. Please drive with caution if you are in the area. Requiring COVID-19 vaccines for truck drivers crossing the border into Canada, quote, is the right thing to do, Health Minister, Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos said last week, as a new vaccine mandate kicks into effect. Unvaccinated foreign tr- uh, national truck drivers are no longer allowed to cross the border into Canada, while unvaccinated Canadian truck drivers still have a right of return, but must test and isolate for 14 days. The U.S. will also tighten its border restrictions this coming Saturday. At that point, Canadian truckers will be denied, denied entry into the U.S., into the States unless they are fully vaccinated. Insane. Now, my friends, the people of these United States are not going to cry over not being able to get access to Canadian goods. There's certainly things we get from Canada. There's oil and stuff. That's important. We need that. I believe it mostly comes through freight and rail. So that may cause problems with gas prices. But I'm not entirely sure, to be completely honest. I just don't think Canada does enough that's going to freak us out. I suppose we may lose access to certain comedians, but if they're already here, then it's no problem, right? We get a fair amount of our comedians from Canada for some reason. Now, for those that are in Canada, in a very cold place that is, a, 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 that is well, they don't produce, I, I believe they get a good portion of their imported goods from the US. And most, I think, what 90% of Canadians live within 50 or so miles of the US border, this is going to be bad. This will shock the Canadian system substantially. Their economy will likely falter. That means for people in the U.S., the U.S. dollar should strengthen against the Canadian dollar. So, okay. You know what I see here? For a long time, there was an effort to normalize currencies. Politicians wanted to have a more normalized global economic system. This is not a conspiracy. I'm not talking about a a, a new world order. I think I'm saying that quite literally there was an attempt to have free trade agreements that would normalize economies. And it was happening. I remember when I was a lot younger, it was like one US dollar was seven Canadian. And now it's almost one for one. With this, 
It's going to rewind everything. They want to say, quote, that has been known for many months, the vaccine mandates, and truckers in very large numbers have chosen to be vaccinated. That's the right thing to do, not only to protect themselves, obviously, but also to protect their businesses and the industry, said Duclos in an interview with the West Block's Mercedes Stevenson. One of the stupidest things I've ever heard, considering that truckers drive in trucks by themselves. They pull up, they unload. Sure, there's contact with other people, but they're driving in trucks by themselves. This makes almost no sense. And I will just stress, boy, did I trigger so many leftists. Soledad O'Brien herself. Because I said, someone I know who's triple vaxxed got COVID. What's the point? What, what, what's the point? And then people respond with to prevent COVID. And I'm like, no, my point is there's record breaking uh, uh, COVID cases across the US. So certainly that can't be the point, can it? I have no idea. All right. I would just like some clear answers and I haven't gotten any. Maybe you guys will talk to your trusted medical professional and they will give you better answers because I ain't got any, to be completely honest. Just confusion. Here's what I love. In this story from CTV News, they try and claim that nothing happened. Look at this. No blockages to any of the service roads, access roads, or provincial roads. I was able to access our parking lot at the duty-free, so are my coworkers. So from a passenger vehicle perspective, really no impact whatsoever. Laughable. There's videos of people honking, unable to get through, but they don't want you to realize. The regular people have said, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Take a look at this video. The cars aren't even moving. This guy says truckers against health apartheid block all southbound lanes to the U.S. and northbound traffic from the U.S. Traffic paralyzed. And sure enough, there are people saying, no, 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 nothing's happening. Nothing to see here. My friends, when you stand up for what you believe in, you will win. Now, unfortunately, one of the challenges we face in the U.S. is that there is a hard divide politically. And there's not going to be an easy way out of this. Half the country doesn't agree. The other half believes in something else. And so everyone's going to stand up for what they're believing and good. But I think ultimately it will result in a fracturing of this country and a fracturing just across the board. I think it'll impact the entire planet, to be completely honest. Bloomberg reports Trudeau plays dangerous game demanding U.S. truckers have shots. His mandate goes against advice of top food supply expert. Only 50 to 60% of U.S. truckers are vaccinated ATA estimates. Canada, you're going to go hungry. But it's okay. They have their uh, Depener uh, uh, produce and, uh, and wine. I'm sure they'll be okay up in Montreal and in Canada. No, I, I think most of it comes from the U.S., to be completely honest. Now, Canada certainly can grow their own food and everything, but they have longer winters. You know, it's, it's, it's a... It's, a, it's, it's further north. Ultimately, Trudeau is playing a dangerous game. And you know what? They're being warned. Back in December, CDL Life says group warns that up to 30,000 truckers will immediately quit over vaccine mandates in January. I wonder. I wonder where we're going. Bloomberg reports this story from December 27th. Expect more shipping chaos as Omicron forces transport workers to quit. About 20% of professional truck driving, driving jobs globally unfilled. Seafarers also reluctant to come back after 2021 experience. I feel like they're lying to us. They tell us, we hear, there will be people quitting their jobs over vax mandates. Today, they just say, oh, it's Omicron. It's, it's, it's Omicron. People are getting sick, so they're not working. Could it be that, sure, you know, I know a lot of people who got Omicron. 
Um, we're assuming it's Omicron. I know people who got COVID. It's kind of crazy. Like Glenn Beck recently got it. Lots of people got it. And maybe that is the reason people aren't working and things are being shut down. At the local casino, uh, really close to, to, to where we live, I was told that the reason they barely had any tables open was because people were out sick. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But it could be vaccine mandates. We knew truckers would quit over this. We're now seeing a trucker shortage get worse. Why would we assume it's anything other than truckers are saying no to vax mandates? Take a look at this from NPR. Grocery store shortages are back. Here's some of the reasons why. Well, namely, can I get a big old picture of Joe Biden pointing to this saying, I did that. Joe Biden isn't at fault for literally everything having to do with the economy. Joe Biden, I don't think, is responsible for a pandemic. Joe Biden inherited a system that was already that was already in play. Donald Trump should have fired, fired, should have fired, should have fired Fauci. But Joe Biden has had so many failed positions, has pushed so much absurdity that's just backfired or missed the mark that, yes, a lot of this is Joe Biden's fault. To appease his far left, he shuts down Keystone Pipeline. Now, we're going to need to get that that crude on freight and, you know, trains and trucks. I believe trucks. Well, trucks are going to be shipping a lot of the fuels. That's going to cause a lot of problems for us because of these border crossings, because the need for drivers, because of potential spills. Joe Biden wanted to appease the left. Joe Biden makes moves against the oil industry, which causes prices to skyrocket. Joe Biden mandates private businesses get their employees vaccinated and loses in the Supreme Court. He has caused a shock to the system, him personally, the Democrats and his administration. And now we're seeing things get worse. Now, I don't know exactly what he could do. Again, I don't think everything is his fault. That would be absurd. However, what we're seeing right now perhaps could have been alleviated by him just backing off and letting the system heal. It's also fair to say that it's the Democratic Party altogether, with many Democrats in these cities pushing these policies, and a lot of this Trudeau's fault. Demanding vaccines to enter Canada? Well, Canada will suffer, suffer for that. Over at NPR, they say, no, you're not imagining it. Some grocery store shelves are bare again, conjuring bad memories of spring 2020 for many. Okay, let me tell you something. In Frederick County, where they have mask mandates, the stores don't look too good. It's weird. I wouldn't know because I haven't gone there. Because I go to the West Virginia grocery stores where there's no mandates and everything's fine. It's kind of weird. We've got a couple grocery stores, a chain, the West Virginia branch, which is about, you know, 25 minutes from the from the Frederick branch. But we live in between. So we go to the West Virginia one, the West Virginia one. Totally fine. I didn't even notice anything. We got fresh strawberries. We got whipped cream. We got lunch meats, you know, no issues. But the people, my friends and our workers here who go to Frederick say the shelves are empty. I wonder if the mandates have something to do with it. I don't know for sure. But I wonder if there are truckers who are just like, I ain't going anywhere near there because the D.C. area vaccine mandate. They say the reason for the dwindling stock are numerous, according to food industry analysts and uh, and include some issues that impacted retail at the beginning of the pandemic, as well as challenges that have cropped up more recently. We're we're really seeing the perfect storm. Phil Lempert, editor of the website Supermarket Guru, told NPR. Here are some of the reasons. The first, they say, is the Omicron variant. The highly contagious new COVID variant that's causing record infections in the U.S. is undoubtedly one of the biggest stressors of the food industry right now. 
Grocery store workers are catching the virus in higher numbers and calling out sick, making it tougher for markets to keep shelves stocked. The stores themselves are finding it harder to source products because of the new strain. Vivek Sankaran, CEO of the grocery store chain Albertson, said in an earnings call that the company had been hoping to recover from recent supply issues, but Omicron put a dent in that. There are more supply challenges, and we would expect more supply challenges over the next four to six weeks. Keep that in mind. I don't know what you should do, but over the next month or so, month and a half, it's probably going to get worse. So make sure you're taking care of yourself, your friends, and your family. I don't think they're wrong on this. I, I know a ton of people. It's kind of crazy to hear. I know of a ton of people like like Glenn Beck got COVID and we hear these stories. And I think Crowder a few weeks ago got it. You know, Mike Rowe mentioned he got it over Christmas. A lot of people are getting sick. They say Omicron is very transmissible. So a lot of people are going to get sick. When I hear that, and then where I live, I hear similar stories. Like I mentioned, the casino, they say their dealers all had COVID, so they barely had any tables open. I'm like, wow, even the casino's getting hit by this? People are sick. So I think that's a fair point to mention. But I don't think it is the entirety of the picture. Labor shortages. In addition, in addition to workers being infected with COVID, there are those who have simply quit. Lempert said the pandemic has turned grocery stores into battlefields. With employees required to work in person throughout the pandemic, explain food shortages and new public health measures to customers and try to keep themselves safe and healthy in the process. I'll tell you this. There's probably a lot of people who don't want to work in these conditions. Like I mentioned with truck drivers and masks and vaccines, I'm sure a lot of workers are like, don't care, don't want to be involved. I won't work here. Screw it. I got to tell you, man, I'm looking at the news all day, every day. My business here at TimCast is doing better than ever. It's kind of crazy. Timcast IRL, one of its biggest weeks ever. I mean, with a ton of amazing guests from Marjorie Taylor Greene to Mike Rowe to Andy No to James O'Keefe. And I'm just like, wow, the CEO of Rumble. But I got to tell you, you know, when you, when you look at everything going on, you really got to take stock of what your life is about. And that's what I see. And I, and I think about this from time to time. The world has gone insane. The, the media is absolutely insane. We are absolutely, as Yuri Bezmenov described, a demoralized people. People underestimate how severe the clown world really is. Everything's broken. Nothing makes sense. And maybe, you know, I think to myself, it's time to just go inward and focus on building something here for me, for the people who, whose values we share, and to think locally and not worry so much about all this. For the time being, I sit here and I think to myself, we can't stop. We can't just stop. We need to make sure values of individualism and liberty persist. Even if we disagree on policy or we disagree on certain news stories, if we agree on the rights of individuals, we can't stop because now it's the most crucial time. But when I think that, I think about other people, someone who works at a grocery store. If the goal is to stand up for what we believe in and fight for a better future, many people probably don't think they're doing that by stocking shelves during a pandemic. And so they decide, I want to do something else. I mean, we get tons of email from people saying, what can I do? How can I help? James O'Keefe is the same thing. People email every day. What do I do? Tell me and I will do it. I will fight for these values. Working at a grocery store, they're not being satisfied by this. And I think from uh, grocery stores to movie theaters to bars to whatever, a lot of people are just saying, I want something with more value. I want the future to be better. And that's what people want to do. And that's why I'm still here. And that's why I'm not leaving. And that's why I'm not stopping. But they're going to mention trucking and shipping to get back to the main point. Truckers are in short supply, though there's some dispute about how bad the situation really is. Trucking companies are offering higher wages to attract workers, but employment levels still aren't high enough to meet the demand. 
In December, the White House announced a plan to bolster the trucking industry, including making it easier for drivers to get commercial driver's license, CDLs. They want to mention severe weather. I don't think the severe weather thing, for the most part, is fair. Because like I mentioned, where we live, right now I look out my windows and it's all ice. It snowed and then rained on the snow and then froze into just ice everywhere. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Made it very difficult for people to drive. But you can drive 20 minutes from Frederick County where there's a mask mandate and, and limited food on the shelves to West Virginia and there's food on the shelves. I think the real issue is when it comes to trucking and shipping and other jobs, there are people who say, I can do this job because I'll be left alone. But when you have a jurisdiction that says, come here and you will not be left alone, they say no. And they won't do it. Now, I don't know if it's a guarantee. I don't know if it's absolute. But I think this absolutely is a pressure that is going to have a major impact. And where does it lead us? Well, in my opinion, it leads us to blue districts suffering. People who live there are going to want to leave. There's not going to be food in the shelves. They can't go outside. They can't go to movies. They got to wear masks. They got to be vaccinated. They don't want to do that. And they'll leave and they'll go to Florida and Texas like they are. I have friends and family. They tell me, you know, I want to go back to Chicago. I miss it. And I'm like, sure. But you realize that means you need probably to get three shots because you don't have any. There are people I know who have left Chicago. They aren't vaccinated. They didn't want to they don't want to live in a place where everything was locked down, where you couldn't go outside, where everyone cowers in fear. But then they miss it and they want to go back. And I'm just like, you know what, man? What's going to end up happening is you're going to get there. And then you're going to try and walk into a restaurant because Cook County, like basically the suburbs of Chicago, have all have a, all the vax mandate now. Some are defying it. And you're going to be like, I'd like a burger. And they're going to say, I'd like your Vax card. And you're going to be like, I don't have one. And they're going to say, get out. And there it is. So what do you do? What do you do? People in blue areas, they're going to have food shortages, labor shortages. Everything will generally get worse. And then they will say, I'm leaving. Now, there's pros and there's cons to that. The cons, well, these people are going to move to red areas where things are pretty good and bring their garbage policies with them. And they've expressed as such. Many have done, have done it intentionally to spread their disgusting values that destroy systems. And many will just do it because they've extracted whatever they can from the system, and now they're fleeing. I want to point out something really funny, too. For those that are watching this, this NPR uh, photo of the freezer is really funny because the, freezer, the, the, the freezers are all empty, or the refrigerators, except that on the outside, there's a bunch of chocolate syrup. And then right in the middle, for some reason, Magic the Gathering cards and Pokemon cards. So let it be known. 
that you may be able to go to your Washington, D.C. grocery store, but you will not find milk. You will only find whipped cream, chocolate syrup, and Pokemon cards. Now, if you can subsist off of that, by all means, stay where you are. But many people are going to say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And they're going to leave. And you know what? I love it. Take a look at this. Paul Begala, this, this story is funny, says Democrats' problem is not that they have bad leaders, they have bad followers. Well, Paul, you're half right. It's technically true. The bad followers beget bad leaders, and thus DC is a mess. Where I live, we have open fields. We have farm fresh meats. I can go across the street. I can, I can hop in my car and drive for only a couple minutes. There's a farm, and they got a big cooler. You walk in. It's all self-serve. This is amazing. Honor system. There's a little shack. You pull up from the side of the road, you walk in, open the fridge, grab whatever you want, walk up, swipe your card, and walk right out. No kidding. I don't got to worry about going to any lockdown grocery stores, wearing a mask, anything like that. Farmers might be out there working. They'll wave and be like, how's it going? I'll be like, hey, you got any of those tenderloins today? And they'll be like, we got a couple. And I'll be like, all right. In the big city. You go in the grocery store, nothing. These people, they're bad followers. They're bad voters. And because of this, they vote for bad people. And the bad people are either duplicitous or evil. Well, they're duplicitous, evil, or stupid. And then you end up with people like Justin Trudeau, who's like, I think that anyone bringing goods into our country should be forced to be vaccinated. And then you have someone going, uh, Trudeau, like half of truckers from the U.S. aren't. Don't care. And they're like, that means half of our supply will be cut off. Half of our U.S. supply. And he goes, so what? And then what's going to happen? Boy. Are the people in Canada going to be in for a rude awakening when they can't get food anymore? Whatever, man. You reap what you sow, I guess. For those of us who live out in rural areas, I would advise you to stop LARPing. If you've moved here from, a, uh, from an urban area, if you don't know what you need to do to survive, if you don't know how to take care of your, your, your house's problems, take care of animals, or figure out who the farmers are, learn how to have your own garden. We've had a garden for some time. We made a lot of mistakes. But we took it seriously. I'll be completely honest. One of the mistakes we made was we planted all the tomatoes right at once. We planted all the seeds. Now, what worked out for us is that for the most part, we didn't plant like we didn't have a strategy for what we were planting. We decided to grow things. But we learned our lesson. And it's important we're learning our lesson now. You see, you don't plant your tomatoes all at once. You plant each plant, whatever you want to grow, one week at a time. Why? Because then the tomatoes ripen. You take them off. You prepare them. A week later, the next plant is ripe and available. If you plant them all at once, you end up with 50 tomatoes you can't eat. And that's what happened. But we have chickens. We've learned to take care of them. We've learned to incubate and grow them. The first chickens we hatched, the batch of, I think it was 14 eggs, only three made it. I know we're not, we're not expert farmers, but we're learning because I take this stuff seriously. Not that I think the world is going to end. I mean, maybe the system will break apart. I certainly think that's happening. But that I take my responsibilities seriously. I will not sit back and do nothing. And then when everything falls apart, just panic and scream, what do I do? So in the meantime, while there is food at the store, I will take seriously my responsibility for my food, for the people who work for me and say, we'll do our best to be self-sufficient. So what are we doing? We have our, our own isolated water system and water filtration. It's just a well. It's like everybody has it. We're getting solar systems set up and we have solar backup batteries because we should be responsible for our own energy needs. We have, I think, we have 15 chickens. That is a lot of eggs every day. And here's the best part. While we do buy food for the chickens, for the most part, chickens eat bugs. 
in the winter, we are dependent upon getting food for them. And I'm grateful that system exists. In the meantime, you know, we, we don't have that. We'll have to be serious about this. What will we do for our chickens in the winter when everything's covered in snow and they need food? It won't last forever. So we've got to be careful about how we handle this stuff. We've got to know what we're doing. But in the meantime, we're starting to learn. Because I will not sit back and just cross my fingers and hope someone else will be there to do the work for me. That won't always be the case. In big cities and in blue states, they vote for idiocracy. This will eventually implode on all of us. But what idiocracy did get wrong is that while there are a lot of dumb people who do dumb things, what idiocracy did not talk about at all was what was it like outside of the big cities for rural individuals? Sure, they were spraying Gatorade on their crops, but I think it's fair to say that if this path continues, there will be disheveled, vagrant urban dwellers who have not learned how to survive outside, and a lot of conservative, more rural individuals who will be fine. We had Mike Rowe on Timcast IRL, and I asked him, a lot of people point out there's this trope that liberals won't survive the apocalypse, conservatives will. And he basically said, yeah, what do you think? And I'm like, all right, you heard it from the dirty jobs guy. These urban dwelling BuzzFeed writers, they won't last 10 minutes if it really gets bad and they need food. But these conservative rural types are going to tell you exactly how to deal with chickens and goats and grow food and grow crops. And they've, 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 they've lived it. They're more responsible. They're more self-sufficient. And what they do is, in, is more environmentally friendly than what cities have to offer. So I take a look at everything that's happened, and I think it's funny. I think the cities are the problem. They're overly dense. They, ma they, they produce massive waste. They waste energy. They waste everything. They're disgusting. It didn't have to be that way, and they can be improved. They are hubs of knowledge and entertainment. That's great, but they've gotten out of control. And I think we can now see how they lead our government astray because everybody just wants the, 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 the benefit of not having to work or doing an easier job. I'll tell you this, guys. It is infinitely easier for me to look at a camera and talk about my fifis and what I think than it is for me to lift, uh, to lift a big bag of chicken feed all day. What's the reward? When I bring out the chicken feed and I feed the chickens, we get what, like nine or 10 eggs per day? Is that going to feed everybody? It's not. Somehow I've managed to do this job and the work I do here does feed people every day. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? And I, I recognize that. And that's why outside of this, I'm taking everything else more seriously because this is not a job that will exist if there really is a major collapse. I mean, to a certain extent it will, but this luxury that you know, Americans get to have by doing these, these weird jobs of opining. It is a luxury. We're lucky. I'm lucky. But we'll see how things play out. Because hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully everything gets better. But based on the failures of this policy, I think it would be wise for all of you to download a survival guide, to learn about basic animal care, to get away from cities. And always remember, if you do, do not vote for the same people. In fact, abstain, if anything, or just vote for what the, the, the conservative people in the area say, because they know better than you do. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. tonight over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The Democrat cult is outraged. The Supreme Court along party lines has struck down Joe Biden's unconstitutional vaccine mandate. But we're seeing many large corporations keep these policies in place. This morning, 
We have a viral trend on Twitter about Carhartt. They provide outerwear, outdoor wear, you know, things like that. There's a letter purporting to be from the company saying that regardless of what the Supreme Court says, they will be mandating their employees all be vaccinated. Now, of course, on the left, they're cheering for this. On the right, they're condemning this. And it goes to show that many of these companies who implemented these vaccine mandates were using Joe Biden as cover, as was the plan. And many people have pointed this out. Smarter people than I have stated this for some time now, that what was really going to happen was Joe Biden comes out and says, come on, man, you know, everybody, you, you, you got to get vaccinated. It's a mandate. And then all these companies just go, uh, gee, well, we have no choice now. Then. We, it is revealed the emperor has no clothes. The mask gets removed and the Supreme Court says, actually, that's unconstitutional for the government to mandate. And these companies go, eh, we're going to do it anyway. After the ruling, Joe Biden called on states and businesses to implement uh, vaccine mandates anyway. And they're doing it. And you know what? I don't care that much. I mean, look, I do. I think they're wrong. I think it's wrong these companies are doing this. But this is a deeper problem than just vaccine mandates. It is a cultural problem. It is a problem among the uh, among the left and their uh, adoption of authoritarianism. And it is a problem among the right of their unwillingness to a certain degree to experience hardship. I mean, that's 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 the reality, because what do I hear right now with all this Carhartt stuff? My response to this letter from Carhartt telling their employees they have to be man, uh, vaccinated. First of all, I don't know if it's, actually, if it's actually true. There's no real reporting on this, but the letter is circulating on Twitter. Assuming it is true, my answer is, if you work for Carhartt and you do not want to be vaccinated right and right now, after the Supreme Court ruling, quit. That's it. Quit. Just, uh, uh, oh, okay, okay, let, let, let's start here. A lot of people are saying, uh, you can't just quit. You know, you've got kids, you've got a family, you've got bills to pay. What are you going to do? Your kids are going to starve? It's not that easy. You can't just do it. Oh, what are you? A communist? Oh, I'm kidding. But I mean, in reality, does this company owe you anything? Should they be required to give you access to resources? Should the state nationalize them to make sure that you don't lose your income because they have a policy you don't like? How about this? How about you file a lawsuit? How about you file for a medical or religious exemption or, or some exemption, whatever you can. And if you feel you're being wronged, then file a lawsuit. I know it's a rich man's game, isn't it? It's not easy to do. Lawsuits are extremely expensive. Boycotts are difficult. Most people, they've got their jacket, their, their overalls, whatever they have. You can't just get rid of them and destroy them. But if you work for this company, if you work for Citigroup, which is also going to be sticking with their vaccine mandate, and you don't want to get vaccinated. You just need to quit. I'm sorry. That's the reality of this. Now, if we wanted to move towards regulating all of these businesses uh, to go beyond what the Supreme Court has said. Right now, the Supreme Court has said you cannot force people to get vaccinated. Perhaps y'all want them to go one step further. Perhaps there needs to be some kind of legislation that says corporations cannot require vaccinations. Well, that's an interesting question about what the government has the right to do and what they don't have the right to do, right? In my opinion, I've said this from the beginning. If a private company wants to have a vaccine mandate for their employees, that's tough. You know what I mean? Like if it's a small business, then I think fine. They don't owe you anything. 
if it's a bigger corporation that has a monopoly on a certain space, perhaps then there should be a harder, a, a harsher application of and what I mean by that is if you have a religious or medical exemption, then big corporations should probably have to um, adhere to that. What you need to understand about the difference between a vaccine mandate and, say, like a dress code or some other corporate mandate is that we're talking about an irreversible medical procedure. Somebody made a really great point. They said, if a private corporation wants to mandate that you get vaccinated, they're asking you to do something for the rest of your life, and thus they should be forced to compensate you for the rest of your life. I agree with that. Look at, I'll look at it this way. If uh, you want to work for a company and it requires training, the company typically provides you the training. Not, not every company, but uh, I like using casinos to, to reference this stuff. Uh, most casinos, as my understanding, if you, if you apply to be like a dealer, they, may, they, they, they bring you to school and you get trained on how to play these games. Why? It's in their best interest to do so. They don't want someone who does not to play blackjack dealing blackjack. Be like, does 12 beat 13? How does that work? I don't know. Here's the money anyway. Do, do I hit on soft 17? No, they'll train you for it. Thus, the company assumes the cost of the training for you because they need you to do it, right? Okay, that means the company is going to be spending money to give you a skill you will retain for the rest of your life. I know a lot of people, we got to, uh, our executive editor, for instance, he's a bartender, a trained bartender. I'm not saying anyone paid to train him to bartend, but he, he he's the executive editor for our website. But when he comes over, he can actually bartend. That's a skill he retains forever. So imagine you go to work at a casino or resort or a bar and they say, we're going to train you to be a bartender. The company assumes the cost and you retain that value forever, right? Okay, let's talk about a company wanting you to be vaccinated. Now, if they want you to be vaccinated for the duration of your employment, they're going to have to pay for the duration of of the process. See, when it comes to vaccination, it's not like you can go to a class for three days and then you're done. No, vaccination is permanent. Every waking moment of your life, you have already undergone this medical procedure you do not want. If you, I'll put it this way. Imagine a company said, we want you to wear a bulletproof vest for the rest of your life if you work at this company. Well, you can be like, okay, but you've got to pay for that bulletproof vest and you've got to pay me to keep wearing it if I have to keep wearing it, right? What if they said, no, 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 even after you quit, you have to keep wearing it. I'd be like, okay, well, then you're paying me. I'm not going to walk around wearing this bulletproof vest when I'm going to the spa or in the shower. Nope, 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 nope. You see how it works? Vaccination's permanent. That would be like them saying you have a dress code, but you have to wear these clothes at all times forever even in the shower, you can't take your pants off to poop. Okay, that's a little more extreme, but you get my point. If they want you to do something to engage in a behavior for the rest of your life, they should pay for it. I think that's a fair point. Now, that's probably not going to happen. You can file a lawsuit, but I think it's simple. You have to quit. These companies that are doing this, you have to quit. Let me ask you. There was a, there was a post I saw, and I can't remember who it was by. It might have been like Matt Walsh or, or Michael Knowles. Somebody said, the idea of having kids is expensive. You know, like people keep saying it's, it's too expensive to have kids, just like in third world countries. And then you think about it and you're like, oh, actually in third world countries, it's not too expensive to have kids. They just keep having kids. Yet we here in the first world, one of the wealthiest nations, if not the wealthiest nation, we're like, I can't afford to have kids, which is insane. And here we are, people saying, I can't afford to quit these companies. Yeah? Why? Because it might be hard for you and your family. That's amazing to me that 
for many of these, these, these third world countries, I mean, look, come on, Ukraine, right? I don't even think Ukraine is third world. I think they're second world. And they have really a really low standard of living. They have children. They procreate, right? So for someone to be like in the first world with all of our wealth and everything, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't take that risk. I'm just going to do as I'm told. Okay, well, look, I empathize. I understand life is not easy, but it's just kind of crazy to me that there's no, there's no perspective here, that there are people who live in mud huts who are having kids and getting by. There are people in Haiti, I think they literally eat dirt. I'm not exaggerating. They take mud and they mix in some butter and salt and then they dry it in the sun and people eat it because it takes away the hung- hunger pangs because they're starving to death. I don't want anyone to live that way. I don't want you to live that way. I understand you will fight tooth and nail to avoid living that way. But I just want to point out there are people who are willing to do whatever it takes to to stand up for themselves and to survive. And there are people who are not. There are people who work for companies like Carhartt or Citigroup or whatever who are unwilling to do what it takes. Is this the message you want to send to your children? You know, there's that famous quote. Who who, who said it? Was it? Um, I can't remember the guy's name. It was, I I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. Yeah, I agree with that. It's an interesting statement, though. I wonder what uh, what he would say. Who was it? Uh, um, Who was was the guy? Was it Cesar Chavez? Was that his name? I can't remember his name. Uh, I wonder if he would say the same thing if he had a bunch of kids. I think he did have kids. In which case, there's, there's an interesting consideration. You know, what would the saying be? I would rather live on my knees knowing my children are safe than die on my feet. And I'm not saying that disparagingly. I mean, I think that's an actual, actually an interesting uh, proposition. Somebody who would rather die on their feet than live on their knees. Are they living for themselves? W- or would you be willing to live in servitude if it meant your kids would live? Now, it's an interesting, uh, I think it's an important point, because some people would say, I would do anything for my children, even sacrifice my own life. And in that capacity, it's like, okay, well then, maybe this makes sense. Maybe people are saying, I will undergo something I don't want to do because it means my children will be better off. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Then I think about this, the message you leave behind for your children. They say, a society grows great when... Old men plant trees whose shade they know they will never sit beneath. I suppose we can update that to um, society grows great when people plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit beneath. And then the idea is 50 years from now, the tree is very large and the next generation gets to sit beneath that tree and enjoy the shade. Unfortunately, for a lot of these younger people, they don't understand the sacrifice and the hard work that it went that went into it. And they just think they're they're owed this because the shade was already there, which is an interesting point. You've got these people who grow up not realizing that the trees were planted through hard work and perseverance, that they would know pleasures, they would know comfort, but they grew up in a world where the shade was just there for them. And so you end up with the Strasshow generational theory. Hard times make strong men. The strong men plant the trees and work and dig and say, my kids will know better, li- better times. Strong men make good times. With those trees, children grow up, 
experiencing the wonderful shade, but not realizing the hardship. And thus, good times make weak men. And those weak men sitting between, beneath that shade says, I don't have to do anything. The shade's just here. And then when the tree ages and dies or gets chopped down, the next generation says, there is no shade for me to sit beneath. It's kind of sad that, that that's, that's, that's the story, right? That the people who experience the worst of it fight so hard for other people to have it better. And the people who have it better take it all for granted. That's reality. I'd like you now to imagine the scenario of someone deciding to live on their knees for their children. Imagine the message you send to your child. It is better to drop to your knees to satisfy your betters than to live on, than to die on your feet. If it means your kids will have it better. It's interesting. I I wonder what your kids will take away from this. I think about what your children think of you when they see you coming home, beaten and downtrodden, having dropped to your knees to beg. I'm not, I'm not saying this to say that you're, you're in the wrong, the people who do this. I'm, I'm bringing up an interesting point. Will the, will the child look at their father and say, look how hard he's fighting for me to not have to live this way? Or will they say, what a pathetic, sad man? What a sad, pathetic, weak man. Will your child say, my dad was right to drop to his knees to satisfy the state, to drop to his knees to, to satisfy the elites who laugh in his face, who don't follow the same rules. Is that the message you want for your kid? If your child sees you come home and they see how, how much you're willing to sacrifice, perhaps they will appreciate everything you've done for them. And perhaps they will also learn that, is, that it is better to live in servitude if there is safety involved. And maybe that's what you think is important. And I'm, and I'm, I'm fine if that's, if that's your opinion. That's fine. You know, the way I see it is I want, uh, um, you know, my, my potential kids, my future children, should I have them? I want them, and you know what? I want the future generations to stand defiant. Because in my view, if everyone stood up and said, I will not live on my knees, no one would have to. But this is where we are. I haven't even gotten any of these stories yet. I mean, these, these news stories, check it out. We got the Wall Street Journal. Citigroup sticks with its COVID-19, vac- uh, uh, COVID-19 vaccine mandate. We've got this. The Washington Post laments SCOTUS decision to block Biden vaccine mandate, advocates businesses and state mandates instead. The LA Times basically says the same thing, defending the idea that the government should be able to force you to get a medical treatment. And then we have people defending Carhartt. Shout out to Carhartt for prioritizing worker health in this way. These people are evil. They're evil people. I don't care. I don't care. They're evil people, period. Rebecca Mitchell, HD106 on Twitter, evil people. An evil person says, I want to prioritize the health of everyone, so I want to force everyone to do as they're told, regardless of the consequences, regardless of the science. You shut your mouth and you get on your knees and you service the state. No, I don't, I, I don't want to live that way. You can. You know, if you work for Carhartt and you want to live on your knees, I'll walk past you in tattered rags, a free man, and I'll look at you with your nice button-up shirt as you're filleting your executive, and I will say, well, at least we're both getting what we want. And if that's what you want, so be it. Now, I will, I, I will say this. Maybe you're better off. When my kid is starving and hungry, and I say, you see that? That's a person who's willing to do whatever it takes for his kids. And the kid will be like, huh, I wonder if I'd be willing to do that. And they're hungry, and your kid is not. Your children have full bellies as you drop to your knees every night to make sure that your bosses are satisfied. 
maybe that's worth it for you. For me, I view the world differently. I look at these people and I see the evil in their hearts. The evil, and I mean it, there was a period in my life where I said, I didn't want to say these people were evil, but these people are evil, 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 evil. I will say it a million times. These are people who see you with a smile on your face, enjoying life, and they want to subjugate you. They want to take from you your life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They want to force you to live the way they want you to live out of their own fears. The reason this is evil, they want you to do this to better themselves. I'll tell you what I see as evil. A man who is willing to take from someone else to violate their rights, to steal their hard work and their labor. You'd think the left would be on board with this. When I see someone tilling the fields and a, a feudal lord comes and says, all of the work you have done for food for your family, I will take. When I see North Korea stealing the animals from small farms and leaving these people starving, evil. I do the work for myself. I work to make sure I have food to eat. And I try to share it to the best of my abilities with those who are in need. But people need to carry their own weight. Otherwise, we all suffer. These people shouting out to Carhartt, cheering the sun, are the people who would sit in the, airline, in the, in the air, airplane seat as the plane goes crashing down and the, and the mask would fall down and they would say, stewardess, put my mask on for me. The people like Hillary Clinton who hold their wine glass up, pinkies out and go, <clears throat> you must give me the wine. I'm not all about that. No, for me, it's kind of like if I want something, I'll go get it for myself. I don't want to inconvenience someone. I don't want to be indebted to someone. I'll do what I have to do to remain safe. These people are scared. They don't, they don't want to take responsibility for their own lives. So they'll force you at gunpoint. They'll threaten your children and they'll demand you drop to your knees. But if I'll tell you this, if you want to drop to your knees for these people, do it. And I'll sit back in my rags with my starving children, knowing I will not satisfy these people, that they can be as evil as they want and they will get nothing from me. I would gladly walk into the woods before I would drop to my knees for these people. I would sacrifice whatever I had to instead of dropping to my knees for these people. And that being said, I am not trying to speak in absolutes. We all have limits and we all have strategy. That is to say, my personal position on vaccine mandates is that they're wrong and thus I will never agree with them. But there are many people who view them as wrong, but don't actually care about getting vaccinated. I'm not here to condemn every single person who says, I have a minor disagreement with how they're going about this, but I like the vaccines. If you're somebody who works at Carhartt and you actually don't, you know, you have, you have, you have no problem with getting vaccinated. You talk to your doctor or whoever, they advised it. And you're like, I really don't like that they're doing this, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. You see, there's the dividing line. And that's an important distinction. If you're not that concerned about vaccine mandates, well, okay, then I don't see what the problem is. You might be like, man, this doesn't sit well with me, but I'm not really that worried about it. If you're not, then we have no argument. I have no argument with you. If you reject forcing people to undergo medical treatments, but you don't mind getting this yourself, well, then you're in a middle ground position and you probably don't care all that much you work for this company and you don't view it as dropping to your knees because it's something you probably would have done anyway. That's an important distinction. What I'm referring to with all of this are the people who say it's wrong. I, I don't want to do it. I refuse, but I'm too scared. I will give in anyway. 
politics, you know, for everybody, they're different. Okay. And so as much as I don't like the vaccine mandates, I don't know what else to say. You know, if, if these people like the, that are shouting out Carhartt, if they want to get vaccinated, good. I hope they do. But they shouldn't be advocating forcing everyone else to do so either. And that's the issue. If you do it for yourself, we have no, I have no argument with you. If you make choices for your own life and you say this is fine, I have no argument with you. In which case, you'll probably be like, I'm not really impacted by the mandates because I was going to do it anyway. We also have our strategic limits. This is why I say, maybe for a lot of people, they say, I am willing to live on my knees to protect my children because there's a bigger mission at play. You know, earlier on, I was much harsher on a lot of people who are giving in, but a lot of people made the important point that there's got to be tact and strategy involved, that it can't be absolute. Now, I say you're correct. And that means for some people, they might say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to undergo, you know, a forced vaccination by my company's mandate, so I don't lose my job, but I'm going to tell my children and I'm going to explain to them why they should never live this way. And I'm going to do everything in my power to empower them to not have to live this way. That's what I was saying. You know, when you come home downtrodden, maybe your children will see you and say, this is what my father, my mother was willing to sacrifice for me. And that's respectable. It is. My point with all of this, you know, wrapping this up, when it comes to Carhartt, they're not a government agency. They don't owe you anything. So it's funny to me that there are a lot of people on the right that are like, this is wrong. We should boycott them. And I'm like, yeah, by all means, you know, boycott them if you don't like what they're doing. But just keep in mind, we're not communists. If a company has a, has a mandate, what do we do? We say, well, the private company can do it at once, but there's a limit. And for me, it's when they impede on the commons. When companies get too big, when they seize control of common spaces and then start destroying functioning civil society, that's the problem. It's hard to know where that line is, but I will tell you this. The people here who are encouraging and cheering for this, there is no reconciliation between us and them. Either we... Uh, Someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. This only goes to a dark, a dark place because there's a lot of people who will not tolerate this. Here's what I think you need to do. The pioneers, the pilgrims, the colonists, they entered a world with nothing. They traveled for months by sea with many dying on the way. They arrived on empty shores and many didn't make it. A lot of them died then. And it was hard. What is more important to you? The struggle and the fight for a better future? You're just giving in, accepting, accepting your comforts, accepting the metaverse, getting your neural link, link chip, just getting the injections, just doing as you're told. It's so much easier, isn't it? It's safe. You get your pizza, you get your extra pepperonis, you get your beers, you can go to the movies, you don't got to worry about it, just do as you're told. You know what? I got to be honest. Dropping to your knee and providing service to the state it is easier and sometimes way more comfortable. So you got to figure out what matters to you. And if you pref prefer comfort over resistance, well, that's, that's for you. That's, that's on you, I guess. You know, and maybe that's fine. Maybe there's a lot of people who are like, I just don't care about this. It doesn't matter. I'm going to survive. But uh, James O'Keefe mentioned this last night. I think he was talking about uh, uh, the Gulag Archipelago. The people of the Soviet Union who said survival at all costs. And you know, I can respect it. I understand. Just think about what survival at all costs leads to. People who are unwilling to resist tyranny eventually make hard times and their children suffer for it. 
That's why I reject this. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I think people underestimate how broken the system is and how nonsensical everything has become to the point where there are a lot of people who are saying things to me that I was saying three years ago. And I don't mean that, you know, in any way disrespectful to those who haven't been following the news or anything. It's just to me and probably many of you we're seeing these signs over the past several years of, of the United States fracturing, struggling, breaking apart. And now people who are finally starting to be exposed to this because they're paying attention are acting like they've discovered something new. So I take a look at Twitter. I, I look at Getter. I look at the things people are saying. And I'm kind of just like, yo, are we are we well past the Rubicon at this point? You know, have, have we crossed that point where we're just biding our time before this whole thing just goes belly up? Because I got to be honest, it really does feel that way. There's no sense in arguing with some people. Some people don't care about the arguments. Many of the, uh, my perception of many on the left, these prominent uh, uh, personalities, is that they don't actually care about any of these arguments. They're not having any real ones. And when I invite them for conversations, they won't do it. Now, look, I'll say this in regards to many of the left-wing personalities, those that do their own shows, I get it. I can't take time off to do their show. They can't take time off to do my show. But we invite lefties on the show all the time, and we rarely get any. Because they don't actually care about having the conversation. Hence the meme of Ben Shapiro screaming, debate me, and the left saying no. They don't want to have that conversation. So I, I bring that up because I look at these stories and I just wonder why we care so much and why we're still pretending there is a system to save. Because maybe there isn't. Some people say that that's uh, pessimistic. They say Tim's too blackpilled. But I don't think that's blackpilled just to point out what people might not want to admit. And more importantly, the end result may actually be a net positive. I mean, wouldn't it be good if you got to live in a state where you got what you wanted? If you live in West Virginia, I live in West Virginia, you got your guns. Isn't that a good thing? Don't you like having your guns in West Virginia? Sure, I know I do. And if you live in New York, you don't got your guns. And don't you like living in a state where they ban people from having guns? At least most of the people in New York seem to think so. Maybe not the actual state, which is actually fairly red, but people in New York City, in which case I can see where there's a problem. But if you choose to live in a place where the majority of people are, are passing these laws, maybe you should try and move somewhere else. I understand that may be difficult. What I mean is, with all of this, the story we have here from TimCast.com is just another example of the United States fracturing into multiple pieces to the point where I think the collapse is inevitable. I, I think it's actually already happened. You know what I mean? Like, look, it's 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 a building collapsing and it's it's collapsing at near free fall speeds, which shouldn't happen, but it is. And for those of us that are watching it happen, we're we're oblivious because of how long it's taking. When you actually watch, you know, something falling down a Jenga tower or something, you see it go tip, 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 collapse. What I think is happening right now in the United States is that the, the, the center column is snapped. The building is falling, but it's such a massive construct that it'll take some time to actually hit the ground. While it may be collapsing at free fall speeds, we don't realize because it's just too massive. You know, I, I, I'll give you an, an example. If there was a when you look in the sky, I mean, it's really simple and you see the, the, the plane moving really, really slowly. You're driving in your car. You see a plane above you, and it looks like it's not moving. It's actually moving, you know, 500 miles an hour. That's kind of my point. 
I think the collapse is happening. Look at this story from TimCast.com, and we'll get into this. Hawaii to require booster for incoming travelers. The island's governor will, will require all incoming travelers to have proof of a booster to avoid a mandatory five-day quarantine. Since when do we restrict free movement between our own states? Now, Hawaii is an island state, right? And thus, they're probably saying, well, if you're going to fly in here, we don't want you bringing COVID or whatever. But according to, I think it's the 14th Amendment, you can't restrict someone access to a state. So under what grounds can they say, we're going to quarantine you unless when you enter the state. The point is, if you were in Illinois uh, driving to Indiana, there could, there's no way for them to enforce this action unless they just tell you to do it and then cross their fingers hoping you do. With Hawaii, they have a record of you entering because you basically have to fly. Unless, of course, you took a boat for some reason, but you have to fly. They know you come in, and so they have these border protections. For TimCast.com, Michael Robison reports... Under the current rules of Hawaii's Safe Travels program, travelers who don't want to quarantine for five days, must, five days must either be fully vaccinated or have a negative COVID-19 test within one day of travel. However, the program is changing the definition of fully vaccinated. It will now include booster shots, according to the state's leadership. They did this in the contiguous United States. I remember, I can't remember where, where I went to. I think it was when we lived in New Jersey, and um, basically, and you're on the East Coast, you're, you're so close to all these other states. Uh, you know, li- being from the Midwest, we didn't really understand it the same way. When I lived in Chicago, sure, you could drive an hour and a half, two hours, and you'd be in Wisconsin. But if you're living on the East Coast, I mean, you could drive 20 minutes and be in another state. And so when I was in, when we were in the South Philly area, there were, there were like signs saying, like, if you come from these states, you must do these things. And I think Chicago did the same thing. Uh, I'm not sure when they had it or what the deal was, but it was like, if you come from these states, you must quarantine. Nobody enforced it, but because Hawaii actually has the hard, hard, hard barriers, we've actually seen them do it. There was, I think, a young woman who landed in Hawaii and then posted selfies or something on Instagram. And so they tracked her down and arrested her. And that's the crazy thing, because she probably had no idea this was happening. I think we're dangerously close to the point where we end up with checkpoints where you'll land in Hawaii, you'll be entering and they'll stop you and they'll be like, before you can enter, you need to stamp this, stamp that, prove this, prove that, or otherwise. When, I, when, you, when you fly inside the US and you land somewhere, you just get off the plane, you walk out of the security area. When you fly internationally, you got to go through immigration. And then when you come back to the United States, they actually, you have to go through immigration again. I think we're heading in that direction. Governor Ige, or however you pronounce it, said the changes would not take effect for at least two weeks so that travelers could adjust their plans accordingly. We know that the community needs time to react to that. So we have to provide at least two weeks for those who may not be up to date to go to have the opportunity to get vaccinated if they need to. The governor went on to say that he was speaking with local mayors and other civic leaders about mandating booster shots to dine in restaurants and participate in other activities and events. I said he would ultimately leave that decision to individual counties and their leadership. Maybe we won't get to that point where there's hard barricades, hard barriers. But I will tell you this. Half the United States is not vaccinated. Substantially less, I think 70% is not boosted. If we start seeing blue states implement these policies, booster mandates, the state's fractured and the country is fractured. Truck drivers are not going to work in states where they can't eat food. So look at Cook County, look at Frederick. Frederick County is where, you know, we're right next to it, where we work. They have a mask mandate. You're going to get some people who don't mind the masks all that much. 
But you're going to end up with a lot of core workers who are going to say, I'll prefer to work elsewhere. You could have someone who's licensed to work in Maryland, say a contractor, and they'll be like, hey, we got a job for you in Frederick County. And they'll be like, mask mandates? I ain't working in that. Sorry, not happening. And they'll go to West Virginia where there's none. In Cook County, the second largest in the country, and I think LA County has a vax mandate as well. It may actually just be Cook County. Truck drivers. You think a truck driver is going to be like, I am going to drive into Cook County to deliver goods, and then I won't be able to eat food at a restaurant? Many probably will have no problem with it. Many won't. And this is going to create a friction in the United States, which jams up goods and services, slows things down. You're not going to see the roads getting cleared. You're not going to see salt on the streets when the snow comes. And everything's going to slowly grind to a halt. And we're watching it. The economy is on fire. Inflation is through the roof. I'm sorry if, I, if, if, if it's pessimistic and people don't want to hear it. But I think there's a certain point people need to wake up. We launched off the edge of that cliff a long time ago. Maybe it was two years ago. Maybe it was Trump's fault. 15 days to slow the spread. Honestly, I have no idea. But I can tell you, we're only watching things we're only watching ourselves fall, right? When I see Hawaii do this, when I see other states have similar policies, it feels like we're watching the building come down. But because it's so big, it looks like it's going slower than it is. Like the plane in the sky traveling 550 miles an hour looks like it's barely moving. But it's moving. And it's moving fast. For something as monolithic as the, as the U.S. economy to shut down, the, the collapse is happening, but you're not going to notice for some time, you know? And, and, and I think when you look at the M1 money stock, you can see it's falling. It's, it's free fall speeds. Like, it is unabated. Nothing is slowing this down. You can't, you know, there's no Superman who's going to come and guide that, that, that building as it's falling at free fall speeds down to the ground. There's, it's not possible. It's too large. We can try and mitigate some of this. We can prepare for when the, when the system collapses for where we are, but it is falling apart. Take a look at this story from Yahoo News. People who study the origins of civil wars see indicators the U.S. is on the brink of conflict, Yale historian says. You know what? A lot of people, they mock the idea. They don't want to hear it. They say, I don't, I don't care, Tim. Stop talking about it. Whatever, man. I don't know what to tell you. I talk about things that I think are important. I talk about stories I think we should talk about, or I think that I talk about things that I want to talk about. And you guys know that I've been talking about some kind of civil war for some time, but maybe that is the wrong way to phrase it. And that's why I say civil conflict or unrest, because I don't know if civil war is the right way to phrase it, if it's going to be a divorce. Some people say national divorce. Some people say peaceful divorce. It might not be either. It might just be divorce, meaning there will be fighting. People will be angry, but it won't really be a civil war. I mean, Hawaii fracturing off and saying we want special requirements for admittance into our state is not Hawaii sending troops to fight in a civil war. It's not a large faction of people storming the capital. It's a state saying we're not playing by your rules. Your constitution be damned. Let me show you the story out of California. California weighing proposal that could double its taxes. The bill could increase taxes by roughly $12,250 per household. In fact, substantially more for the wealthiest of individuals who make over $2.4 million. It'll be 18%. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in increased taxes to pay for a universal health care system in that state. What California would do if they do this 
will result in the wealthiest people fleeing hands down. What you got to understand about this stuff, especially in an increasingly globalized world. A rich person. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. It's extremely easy for them to move. I mean, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It's annoying for everybody. Nobody likes moving. But I'll tell you this. We're setting up a new headquarters for the company, for TimCast. We're expanding. It's crazy. And uh, oh, we love all you guys. Everybody supporting TimCast.com has made this possible. And now we're going to have an actual building with staff writers, editorial, in-house, doing all this work. And uh, I hope one day we'll rival that of the Daily Wire. Because they're, they're one of the biggest, you know, in, in, in terms of digital media. And they've been growing just by doing the work. So maybe we'll get to that point. And we are growing rapidly, though not nearly as rapidly as the Daily Wire is. But I want to get there. I really, really do. We got a different business strategy, but I, I hope we'll get there. And so we're building the space. Do I have to call my friends, get people to help me move furniture so that I can make this move, so that we can move to this building? No. I understand it's different for a business, but my point is economic scale. For us, we, we have our, our studio in Maryland. We're relocating everything to West Virginia. We will still have a production studio here. The Cast Castle will still exist, and there will be staff doing, you know, basic work and recording shows. But the core, 80, 90% of everything we do will be West Virginia-based. We'll just have a small, you know, location here in Maryland, and, you know, we'll see what we end up doing with it. Regular people, when they move, they don't have the luxury. A lot of people, when they sell their houses, they have to say, only when the house sells and I get the money can I buy the new house and then move, which makes it very difficult. For us, because we're doing so well, we bought the property, call the company, get the contractor on it, look at my watch, and then in a few months, we'll have a new headquarter, a new headquarters. And then we can pick up and walk on over and we're ready to go. I don't got to worry about moving furniture. No, we'll buy new, we'll build new, we'll have a new building. It's going to be amazing. And I'm really excited for this. This building will continue to exist. For the people in California experiencing this, it's going to cause a major ideological and class-based fracturing which gets me to the more, more back to the main point. If they double their taxes, you're going to get a lot of people of particular ideology flooding into the state. Why? Because if you're making almost no money, you're going to get free health care. That's what they're promising. And if you're making a ton of money, you're going to snap your fingers and leave like Elon Musk or Joe Rogan. Then there will be no money to fund any of their programs and the state will become a communist wasteland. And I'm not saying communist as a pejorative. I mean, literally, they'll have to keep increasing taxes. They will have no revenues. Industry will flee because it can flee with ease. Assets will crumble and the state will break. But that's going to lead to poverty and it's going to lead to problems. Already, California is talking about that potential bill where they would tax you for 10 years after you leave. Makes sense now? Let's say you're a wealthy person living in California. You make 2 million, 2.4 million a year. They want 20% of your income. They want to double your taxes. So you see this, you say, I'm leaving. Then California passes a bill. Anyone who has lived here within the past 10 years owes us income tax. Then what? 
California would be sending letters to a wealthy individual who moved to Georgia saying, you owe us money. No joke. California proposed this. The person in Georgia is going to be like, screw you. You have no jurisdiction here. And then what? California will either have to ask the feds for help, which they probably wouldn't do, or send California law enforcement to go and pick you up in a jurisdiction where they have no authority to do so. Will Georgia or whatever state abide by California law? Well, let me ask you this. If you're wanted for tax evasion in Illinois and they file a warrant and they reach out to Georgia, Georgia will arrest you. This is where things get interesting. When these clashes start happening, I, I'm, I firmly believe that if California tries pulling this off, you're in Nebraska, right? You move out of California. California files a tax evasion warrant. Nebraska's not going to know what that warrant is for. It's entirely possible that law enforcement in Nebraska, state troops, go to you and say, look, you've got a warrant in California. We're arresting you, and then we're going we're gonna to send you to California. But let's say they do know. It's so contentious, they know how bad it is. Nebraska then just says, we are severing all arrangements with California because they are encroaching outside of their jurisdiction. Now you can have murderers. I mean, maybe the, the agreements won't break down that rapidly, but you'll have these states being like, we no longer cooperate with these other states. Not that they all and completely do. I'm not saying that, but this will just create a major fracturing between states worse than we're already seeing right now. To put it simply, like I said, I believe the building is collapsing. It is, it, and I'll tell you this, it's not just one building collapsing at free fall speeds. It's that the building may have already collapsed. And now people have stopped paying attention to the news. They're not realizing what's going on. And then an entirely separate building that wasn't even hit by a plane just starts falling down. Uh, the seventh building, as it were. I'm actually making a side joke about everything. I think you've figured it out. But an entirely separate building could fall down. The dominoes are coming down one by one and people aren't watching. In fact, that's actually a really good analogy, to be completely honest, as much as I was kind of joking at first. When the building starts collapsing and we see everything that happened over the past four years, maybe it's Donald Trump, maybe it's January 6th, a lot of people scream about it. But then, while people aren't even aware of what's going on, they're not paying attention, other things are happening. World Trade Center 7 fell down at 5 p.m. And you ask most people about 9-11, you ask them how many buildings fell, they'll say two. When you tell them three, they'll say, oh, the Pentagon? No. Building seven. They just don't know it even happened. So that's what I see when I see this stuff. When I see, you know, Yahoo saying that Yale historian says, you know, the, uh, we're, we're, we're seeing indicators of a civil conflict. You had that CIA woman saying that the third phase of civil war may have already begun. A lot of people are like, oh, shut up. Oh, it won't happen. And I'm just like, those are the people that don't know that Trade Center 7 collapsed. I don't mean literally. I mean, these are the people that haven't seen the indicators that something else had happened. But I watch the news all day, every day. I read the news all day, every day. I fact check these stories all day, every single day, even on weekends when I'm not supposed to be working. I'm just scrolling through all this news. And I'm like, yo, three buildings fell down. And the average person just says, what are you talking about? It was two. And then when you try to explain to them World Trade Center 7, and you tell them that it fell down 5 p.m., just collapsed, they'll say, no, it didn't. There wasn't even a plane. And then you're just like, how do you explain to someone that a building collapsed at 5 p.m.? You know, what is that? What is that? Ten, nine or 10 hours after the, the planes crashed, you explain to them that it collapsed without being hit by a, by a plane, and people just don't want to believe you. That's what it feels like to me. 
I'm sure most of you watchers actually know that three buildings collapsed that day and that the official explanation for Seven's collapse was that fires from debris had, had popped up all throughout the building. I think there was something about propane tanks and thus the building just fell down. It's difficult to explain to people. In fact, many people, people don't believe the official story. That's kind of how I feel right now. Look at Hawaii making these requirements. Look at California talking about their 10-year tax after you've already left the state. You could leave right now and they'll knock on your door and say you owe them money. You don't even live there. I look at all of these pieces and I say, man, that's crazy. And regular people just say, what are you talking about? That's not happening. And then I'm just like, I don't know if it matters. Which brings me to my first point. I don't think people truly under, uh, understand how broken the system is. They do not underestimate, I'm sorry, they, they, they underestimate what clown world actually means. When I see people posting the clown emojis in response to stories, I'm just like, dude, when something crazy happens, it's a coincidence. When two crazy things happen, wow, that's really a crazy coincidence, but it could happen. When you get three crazy things that defy logic and reason and are astronomical odds, and you're just like, wow, man, something really is nuts. But when you get six, you just won the Powerball, my friends. When six crazy things happen. At that point, I'm like, I think we've won the lottery and the crazy thing is happening. So when you get two years of emergency lockdowns that never end and every crazy story in the world, I don't care if you want to believe the crazy stories. You don't want to believe it. Trump makes his claims about the election, whatever. At a certain point, I'm like, there are so many crazy stories on this map. At a certain point, I'm just like, I don't think it matters which one of these things is true. It is a broken system. It is a, a, a pepper. It is a buckshot blast through a wall, leaving holes everywhere. And while each and every one of these holes may not be significant, and some of them may just be scuffs on the wall, at a certain point, you can see enough to be like, I think this wall is going to collapse. Because how can we live without a cohesive narrative, without a shared understanding of what's going on in this world? You can't. And when we get a story about New York record-breaking COVID cases, and you have people like that dude from ESPN being like, I'm triple vaxxed and I was hospitalized with COVID. And then they tell you, just go and get vaxxed anyway. I'm like, you're not advocating for anything. You're actually just punching holes in the wall and confusing people. And at a certain point, we just say, I don't want to tell you, man, it looks to me like the wall is going to come down. So I'm going to get out from underneath its roof. To put it simply. So what does that mean? Well, I'm going to go out to West Virginia and just try and be as self-reliant and off the grid as possible, not just because the wall may be coming down. Maybe it won't. Maybe they'll come in with some spackle and some bondo and patch the holes up. I don't know. A lot of holes, though. But at the very least, I can say, if you've got a bunch of holes in your walls and you're not sure it's going to be uh, fixable, maybe you should get out of that room, right? And just say, look, until they fix it, I'm going to be over here. So maybe in five years, maybe in three years, things are way better. And, you know, in three years, we've got a new president about to uh, enter office and it looks like things have calmed down. There's some unity in the country. Maybe people abandon the Democrats because they've lost the plot. And then I'm just like, all right, enough people got together and said, let's patch up these holes. They did and everything's better. Well, fine. And I'll have my solar powered big facility where I can skate and play video games and do my work. And it's just responsible. You know, preparing for the worst is always the best thing you can do. Because even in the worst case scenario, you're fine. 
There's nothing to worry about. If we build a new facility and move to West Virginia, we'll be helping the local economy. We'll have more space, more freedom. And in the event nothing bad really happens in this country, we'll just have an awesome space to have fun. So it's win-win. And then in the event something really bad happens, we're all worse off for it. But at the very least, we'll be somewhat self-sufficient. I can't tell you what to do or what to believe. But I can say that these stories are just more holes in the foundation. And at a certain point, when the cracks are all over the place, doesn't it seem like it's going to fall down? We'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.